Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Been a while, a few days anyway, since I last talked to you. I was in South Carolina over the holidays visiting my family. Hope all of you had a very, very happy and merry Christmas, and the New Year is just a couple of days away, and hope you enjoy that one as well. Of course, by the way, I don't think I said it. Maybe I did. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Michael Borky. And while you're here, leave a rating and a review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Very glad that you are with me. And we've got some catching up to do. One, I'm I'm going to talk about Ole Miss losing their defensive line coach. Well, I wouldn't really put it that way. But Ole Miss currently searching for a defensive line coach. And then you had Lane Kiffin's weekly press conference where... Uh, Didn't sound real thrilled uh, about uh, game preparation going into the Outback Bowl with Indiana. And then CBS had some high praise for year one for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. But first, I want to remind you, the podcast brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Weather, at least uh, around here, going to be beautiful this week. So get something to put behind the grill. I say it's going to be beautiful this week. We've got rain coming tomorrow and Thursday. The weekend, though, little chilly, should be nice. So get your uh, weekend started by throwing something on the grill and do that at LB's. Tell Greg we sent you and uh, get one of his daily lunch specials as well. All right. So a lot has happened since uh, we last spoke. We had NFL games, we had bowl games, all that good stuff. The NBA season has started. John Morant got hurt last night. Although, knock on wood, the initial reports were good. Now he's getting MRIs and stuff like that, so hopefully he's okay because the early start of his season was unbelievable. Um, Future star, and so hopefully uh, his diagnosis continues to to be good. But anyway, so a lot of stuff has happened, but uh, on the Ole Miss front, uh, Deke Adams, no longer the defensive line coach at Old Miss. And, you know, there's a lot of things to take away from this. Uh, I think it, most importantly, uh, most people believe uh, that this will not be the only departure, whether it be because Ole Miss made that decision or a coach got a promotion uh, or a a better position somewhere else. Uh, Neil McCready of Rebel Grove has said many times now that he does not expect this to be the only one. Now, I guess that could change, but if Neil is saying it, uh, I have no, absolutely no reason not to believe it. Uh, not many people as you know glued in on stuff like that as he is. Uh, so if he's saying it, then then I will uh, I will just blindly believe it. Uh, he's got the track record to prove it. Anyway, uh, so we'll at least focus on this one for now. Uh, Deke Adams being gone, and I mean, I've been telling you all year, you guys have heard this, it's a broken record, but the, the talent level in that position group was was not very good, but the unit still sucked. I, I mean, let's just be honest about it. The unit was awful, and although you're coaching at a disadvantage because the talent was so bad, but like I said all season long, 
I gave them a pass, or at least I tried to, considering the talent, but they did things, especially on the defensive line, they did things poorly that do not require talent to be good at. Especially the most frustrating thing to me watching Ole Miss play defense was containing the edge. I mean, the number of times you'd have a defensive end crash or not play gap responsibility defense and and keep the edge and crash down inside and lose their responsibility was so unbelievably frustrating. And I don't care if you're the least talented player on the field. I I don't care. Um, That is something that doesn't require talent to be good at. And, And Ole Miss on the defensive line did things poorly that uh, do not require talent to be good at. It's something that I said all year. The unit was just awful. I think that they are a little bit more talented than they showed, although not much. It is a bad unit, but still. Um, the unit sucked. It, it just that, That's just the reality of the situation. And uh, Lane Kiffin is um, a guy that expects to win. And if he sees a deficiency, he's not going to keep it around. I mean, that's that should be so refreshing for you, is there are no excuses. He's not making any. The defensive line at Ole Miss in 2020 was awful. So he made a change. He expects to, to make an upgrade there. And considering his connections and some potential options, even though at least one of them was way far-fetched, or excuse, not far-fetched, but way premature. Um, you should expect there to be an upgrade. And when the bowl game is over, I mean, going back to, to what Neil's been saying and what he expects, I mean, considering how this has gone, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kiffin makes more moves because there's a handful of other position groups that underperformed. And he's got the kind of Rolodex, he's got the ability to make upgrades in staff. And he did spend three years at Alabama. I mean, he's been a coach forever, but he did spend three years at Alabama under a guy that, who he's clearly learned a lot from, who not only is not afraid to make staffing changes, but is used to it, is comfortable with it. As long as you at the top are keeping your program structured uh, the way you want it to, then staff turnover is okay. And on top of that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's that Auburn 24-7 site uh, who also was the one that said that Kiffin had a staff member that was saying that he really wanted the Auburn job, and that seems to have just been wrong, um, saying that Brian Harson is going to pursue Jeff Lebby. And I was asked, I was playing Call of Duty with a friend last night, and and he asked, you know, hey, would Lebby go to Auburn? And I mean, I guess maybe. It's possible if he was offered that job that he would leave. I I am fascinated, though. I do think that he is one more good play-calling season away from being a head coach. And if that is what he wants, and most people around here believe that's what he wants then why would you up and go to Auburn to coach Bo Nix when you can stay at Ole Miss for a year and have Matt Corral and Jerry and Ely, an experienced offensive line, uh, 
Henry Paris looks like he's got some upside. I don't know. I just if you if everybody feels like you're one year away from being a head coach, I don't know if you jump from Ole Miss to Auburn. Even though you have Tank Bigsby, who's a hell of a back, I just I don't know why you would want to spend that year trying to get Bo Nix to work when you've already got a quarterback that you know does. But that, that's just me thinking out loud. And it's the same principle, though. Uh, with, with the Kiffin stuff, it's the same principle. If Brian Harson and Auburn calls Jeff Lebby, if I were him, I'd answer the phone and just hear him out. I would... I would hear what you have to say. You're going to pay me $3 million bucks. Okay, maybe I'll go. I've got a family. I think he's got one. I don't know much about his personal life, but you know, I've got people to take care of. If you're going to triple my salary and then some, well, shit, I'm gone. You know. Um, but I do believe, actually I know, part of the, the new negotiations with Kiffin and his new deal um, – I've mentioned and referenced on this many, many times. Keith Carter told us uh, right before COVID hit, really, uh, that a facilities project and stuff was coming. It was going to be a significant overhaul of their facilities, and that was going to be announced soon. And then COVID hit. Um, that is coming. It will come, in my anticipation, baseball season. I don't know if they're going to parlay you know, spring practice or something, but it will be coming soon. That's been part of the deal with Kiffin, but also an increase in salary pool. So maybe, um, you know, Auburn won't be able to give an attractive enough offer because Ole Miss has more resources to do the same thing. And although I think Levy's been great, he he is great. He's great. Um, I would keep him on a short list if I were Ole Miss for whenever Kiffin goes, um, him to be a head coach. I think he's got that kind of pedigree and... Um, he's got a track record, um, albeit a small one, of having elite-level offenses. And if you've ever heard an interview of his, he strikes you as a head coach, at least I think. Um, I would, though, trust Lane Kiffin, of all people, to be able to make an OC hire that is adequate. So, I would trust that. I don't anticipate him leaving, though. I, I I don't think so. But you know how this goes. Things change. And um, they'll be prepared for that. And if you're playing well and doing good things, people want to to get your coaches and uh, replicate that success where they are. Coaching staff turnover is not bad if your team is good, right? Um, and it depends on who's making those hires. So you've had two very different examples. And Clemson you can throw in there as well, but just look in the SEC West and uh, what has happened with Nick Saban for 10 years on a basically annual basis when it comes to his coaching staff. But he is um, obviously very connected, has a good process, a good system, running a good program, and one, people want his coaches. People want to coach there because of it. But he is a very good identifier of replacements. And so coaching staff turnover at a place like Alabama has really worked. And then you look at LSU. They had coaching staff turnover after winning a national championship, which is to be expected. People are making excuses for Ed Orgeron about, oh, well, he lost all these coaches. Nick Saban does that every year. Every year, and they keep winning. So I don't really buy that. But you're seeing the difference. If Lane Kiffin 
has that in a smaller scale this offseason, you're going to really see what kind of program sustainability he's got. Because in the SEC West, you've got two examples. One is Nick Saban, a guy that he coached under, um, who does it every year and it works. The other is Ed Orgeron, who had a really bad first audition. And that's a guy that coached under Kiffin. Um, So we'll see. If there's another handful of guys that go, whether it be from promotions or he decides that the unit wasn't good enough and we have to make a change, um, you, you know, we'll see how how he's able to navigate that. That's a big test for a guy like him that wants to, you know, be a national championship winning coach, uh, a, a leader like Nick Saban, like Dabo Sweeney in college football. I think that he fancies himself as a guy that has that kind of ability. Well, we'll see, you know, how you handle coaching staff turnover because Ed, or- Ed Orgeron handled it terribly. Nick Saban, a guy he admires, handled it really, really well. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on. I do expect the salary pool to increase. As far as candidates to replace Adams on the defensive line, I don't know. Uh, I know people are asking about his brother, Chris. I think that would be an incredible hire if he's able to pull that off, but I think that would have to come with more than just a defensive line coach title. So, I mean, we'll see if you know, maybe Durkin goes somewhere or or, or Partridge gets a, uh, a potential promotion somewhere. I don't know how that's going to work. I know uh, one publication said that, you know, keep an eye out on Bo Davis, but that doesn't seem like it's happening right now. It's all a mess. Honestly, I don't know who's going to replace him. But uh, if I were you, I'd feel very comfortable in who is doing the replacing because the first staff was a high-level staff. And he has got those kind of connections to replicate that success. So I wish I could tell you more. I don't know. I've asked. No, I don't know. I think we'll get more movement um, a couple weeks from now, uh, maybe inside of two weeks. But it's not going to happen this week, I don't think. I mean, they're getting ready to play in a bowl game this weekend. So uh, we will know more later on, but uh, just not yet. All right, turning the page a little bit, Lane Kiffin's press conference this week, uh, he didn't sound real didn't sound real excited. Um, he did mention that it was their first bowl game in five years, which I, I, I don't mean to rehash that, but you guys have been through it. I mean, Ole Miss fans, every fan base in America thinks that they're like, they have it so hard, and oh, God, imagine being an Alabama fan. The refs hate us. Like, there are actual Alabama fans that think that it's hard to be them, that the the refs in the SEC and the NCAA are out to get them or whatever. So every fan base in America actually thinks that, you know, they're the ones that have it tough. But these last few years for, for you Ole Miss fans has been brutal. I mean, it's not just losing football games and, and having an uninspiring head coach. It's how everything went down. It's the high of winning a Sugar Bowl to the the team the next year filled with NFL talent underperforms. And then your head coach who, you, you know, all that with the escort services and embarrasses you know, your university and then the NCAA punishes you multiple bowl bans, and then you're set to hire a sitting Power 5 head coach, albeit not an exciting one, but you're still about to hire somebody who is a Power 5 head coach and winning games in the ACC, and then your chancellor, who has no business being the chancellor anyway, 
is trying to earn local favor, so he shuts that down and promotes the interim that had no business being your head coach, and you had three of the least exciting seasons, most conservative, boring, milk-toast football that you've ever seen. You lost games. You had uninspiring performances, overly conservative coaching, bad leadership at the university level, NCAA penalties, national embarrassment, all this crap that you guys have been through. There aren't many fan bases in college football that have dealt with what you've dealt with the last few years. So going to a bowl game has got to just feel good, even though it's a weird year and that trip would have been made by 40,000 of you uh, if not for COVID. So that sucks, but at least you're going to get to watch your team play in the Outback Bowl. And they're going to play a team that belonged in an Access Bowl, top 15 team, and a chance to win the game. Kevin doesn't sound real confident. Maybe that's just, you know, him being coach speaky and stuff like that. But the fact that you're even playing in this game after the last five years that you've had has got to feel really, really, really good. And uh, he mentioned that in his press conference. He also said that they are, quote, struggling on offense with uh, opt-outs. Obviously, Elijah Moore and um, Kenny Yaboa. And now a couple of injuries with Braylon Sanders and Jerry and Ely. And apparently he said there's some COVID issues that they're dealing with right now as well. That it's a, quote, not an ideal situation. Uh, I am excited to see a couple of guys, though. So this situation, it sucks, obviously. Not good that you have your best receiver that has opted out, your tight end that has opted out, your... Uh, veteran wide receiver who was having a good game against LSU that's probably not going to play this weekend. Doesn't sound like it anyway. Reading between the lines here. And your high-level dynamic running back, going to try to give it a go, but we'll see. Hasn't practiced yet. Uh, But I am excited to see a handful of guys. Uh, And their ability to try to take the next step is the focal point of the offense. Uh, Paris, the running back. Um, I don't know what's going on with Snoop Connor. I keep getting asked. I've been under the impression that he intends to transfer, and so maybe that's why um, they're mentioning more about Paris than they are Connor. Uh, but we will see about that. I'm excited to see him, though. He looks electric. He is young. So if he's getting the majority of the snaps at running back, how does he look? Does he block well in pass protection? What's he like catching the ball out of the backfield? Uh, what's he going to do with 15 carries in the game? I'm very curious to see him. I remember back in the summer, everybody was high on his ability, so we're about to find out what it is. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, he's got the ability to be a focal point at wide receiver for Ole Miss. He's got that ability to be that guy. Well, can he step up and actually be that guy? Because the the ability's there, and the opportunity's now there, Um but but can he do it? So I'm interested to see how he handles this. Uh, what it's like for him in in this game. Are there any other possibilities? Maybe you'll finally see, as some people want, John Rice Plumley in the slot. Uh, I was talking to a friend who has some connections yesterday that said that uh, he's been working out there. So we'll see if that actually is something uh, that is that is real. Um, Dontario Drummond, I think, has got some ability. Can he step up? He and Mingo have to be the focal point now. They have to be the guys that kind of dominate in this offense. Well, can can they do that? Because the ability's there. But will they actually do it? 
So I'm, I'm curious and interested and kind of excited to see what these guys do. And I think um, if you do see Plumlee playing somewhere else, uh, maybe there's a chance, because most people think it's been a foregone conclusion that he's transferring. Well, maybe there's a chance he sticks around um, if he's willing to change positions. If my guy was right yesterday, again, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. Ole Miss has done a very good job of not having things leak out of practice and stuff, so we'll see. That's just something that that I, that I was told yesterday, that there's a chance you see him lined up elsewhere, but we'll see. Kiffin also mentioned in his press conference that uh, preparing for Indiana is a little bit different now with uh, Penix, the quarterback, out, that the the backup is not near as athletic or dynamic, and here's a spoiler, he doesn't throw the ball as well either. Uh, and I don't think Penix was that impressive uh, in that regard anyway. It's a pretty steep drop-off from Penix to this guy at quarterback. Now, Kiffin also mentioned, and it's kind of funny, he said that they have problems and challenges on defense, whether it's an old quarterback or a new quarterback or whatever. Um, so at least he's being honest. It doesn't matter really who's played a quarterback this year. Ole Miss has still struggled. But it's a pretty significant drop-off. Uh, from Penix to his backup. He says they run the football well. He says on the defensive side of things that um, they're undersized, but they turn the football over. He said uh, their defense reminds him of Ole Miss's defense when he was the OC at Alabama. Not the biggest guys out there, but they created havoc plays and turnovers and uh, and things like that. He also said that, uh, and it's the big deal, that he's... um having to recruit a couple of his own players to play in the bowl game. That there are some guys that are up in the air. It's where they are right now. They're recruiting their own players. It's just a small handful. It's not like the entire team, but it is a handful of guys uh, that are uh, considering not playing in the game. And it makes me wonder if bowl opt-outs are are going to be the norm. And I I get it. Uh, Seriously, I, I do get it. I don't like it, though. But I get it. Contradicting thoughts, just like the thing with uh, Elijah Moore and Kenny Oboa. This year has been hell on on these kids. It sucked. I mean, they're getting tested every day. They're not supposed to see their family or their friends or do what college kids regularly do, and a lot of them just want to be done. Uh, So I get that they're tired of this. But when it's the Monday of bowl game week and you still haven't given your coach an answer, I mean, just just tell them. If you're playing or not, make the decision, make the call. Because right now, I don't like this. I think this is silly. If you really don't want to play, if you don't want to be a part of it, then don't. Go. Do what you have to do. Take care of yourself. But make the decision. And that's frustrating as hell. I I get it. I really do. This year's been terrible. I think that if you do have a game on your schedule, though, even though it was an additional one and people think that bowl games don't really matter, and I, I disagree with that. I, I think they do. Maybe not as much as other games, but bowl games do matter. It's a game on your schedule. They they can do a lot of things for you. They do a lot of things for your program. I think they do matter. If you're going to line up and your team's going to play, the result matters to some degree. But I get if you don't want to play, just make a call. The fact that Kiffin's sitting here on Monday saying, you know, I I don't know if these guys are going to play. We'll find out this week. That's ridiculous. Make the decision. You've had a little bit of time now. If you don't want to play, don't play. 
And that's okay. Just and and they can't like tell these guys to go kick rocks and and you know your scholarships being pulled or whatever. Yeah, they can't do that and you know why they can't do that. If you're one of those people that thinks that they should just kick them off the team or whatever, they can't do that. And you know that. It would be devastating to them uh, for a lot of reasons. So just give them an answer though. I would be so frustrated if I were Kiffin or, or any of the coaches. Uh, tell me if you're going to play or not. We'll support you if you don't, but make a call so we can get ready to play a game. That's what I would think anyway. Um, it is frustrating, but they just need to tell them. I do wonder if this will become the norm. Maybe a an unintended consequence. Although, again, most people think that bowl games are just glorified scrimmages. I, I disagree, but... Um, Maybe this is something that becomes more common down the road. We'll see. And finally, Lane said that they had uh, only six scholarship wide receivers available for this game. Only six. So I don't know who those six are. I'm looking at the roster right now. Um, And barring COVID... um, the inability to play in a game because of COVID. Right now, I'm looking at the roster. And give me a second to get down to the wide receiver. So he said, scholarship wide receivers available. So just my best guess, Mingo, Jackson, Drummond, Sanders is out. Um, Jernigan, the other Jackson. See, I don't know who's on... Who's on scholarship? Bryce Johnson, maybe? I think that would be it. That should be your six wide receivers. Um, What's crazy is they don't have Elijah Moore on the roster anymore. I mean, I guess when you leave, you leave, but he's not even there anymore. I think those are your six scholarship wide receivers available for this game. That's not good. That is, uh, That's not good at all. We'll see who steps up, though. And last thing for you, CBS had some high praise for Lane Kiffin in year one at Ole Miss. They gave coaching grades for first-year head coaches, and uh, Dave Aranda was uh, a failure, uh, as was Mike Leach, but Lane Kiffin got some high praise, got a B-plus. So the A grades are uh, Durrell at Colorado, Drinkwitz got an A minus at Missouri. Shiano got an A minus at Rutgers. Pittman got a B plus at Arkansas. And Lane Kiffin also got a B plus. Here's what they said Kiffin didn't bring the Rebels back to SEC West contention, but he did bring plenty of fun back to Oxford. If he can figure out how to get, uh, get a defense. Oh my gosh. Here we go. If he can figure out how to get a decent defense, look out is what uh, CBS said here. I'll give you a few more just for fun. Mike Leach got a D plus. Mel Tucker got a D plus. Mike Norvell got a D. Uh, Dave Aranda got an F. Yikes. So that makes me wonder, you know, how you guys think about year one. I still believe, even after the LSU loss, that you have total fan buy-in. I have not seen this. I've been affiliated with Ole Miss for 10 years. I don't think I've felt this level of complete and total buy-in before. I mean, even in 2015, which sounds crazy, but 
you know, they still lost to Memphis that year, and there was NCAA stuff, and then there that's when the personal thing started coming out, and um, it just didn't feel authentic at the time. There's always something there, you know, just hanging around that you weren't really sure. It was like a bad relationship, you know, like you're having a good time, but there's just something wrong with her, and you just can't quite, you know it's there, and it hasn't manifested yet, and like you want to end it, but you have no reason why, but you know there's going to be a reason why. That's kind of what it felt like even in 2016. It was great, or 2015. It was great. It was awesome. Everything was great. You know, they're winning games and all this, but there's just something that just isn't totally allowing me to get locked in. I think this is different than 15. I think more people are totally bought in right now than they were then because there's nothing hanging around. I could be wrong. Maybe it's just recency bias, but I kind of feel that. How most fans would evaluate this season. And I, I think you should, instead of looking at it in a, well, they should have beaten LSU, they really should have beaten Arkansas, and got screwed in the Auburn game and kind of coached their way out of that one as well. Um, so instead of four and five, I mean, shit, seven and two is something that is real. What could have happened? Don't I wouldn't look at it that way because going into the season, what you would have taken was this and you'd have taken it running. And in totality, to show such improvement on offense in such a weird offseason in an SEC-only schedule, having one of the worst defenses in SEC football history, and still having national attention and being close and winning games and developing your quarterback and all of this stuff that's happened this year. I think B-plus, I would have gone like A-minus. I think it's a season where if you look back at it, it's hard to find many faults. Again, you can't control that your players, you know, stepped all over their own feet in a couple of games. I don't like some decisions they made coaching-wise against Auburn, but my goodness, what has happened this season? Um, I didn't expect it to look like this and to feel like this. So I would have given it some kind of an A, A-minus probably, because I think they did coach themselves coach themselves out of at least one game. But by and large... Um, something that if I'd have offered you back in August, I imagine you'd have taken it running. And now going into next season with a schedule that I think is one that they can navigate if it's all the same, I think their non-conference games are four games that they will win. I think they are going to be significantly better than Louisville. I know this is kind of getting way ahead of myself, but uh, they will be favored in all four of their non-conference games. Um, they have a real chance at taking another big step forward. The recruiting is going very well, all things considered. Um, and at least nationally, they're getting the recognition that they deserve for it. I'm thoroughly impressed, beyond impressed with the, the coaching job done this season. And that was with them having the second worst defense in modern SEC football history. So imagine when they get some talent and maybe make a handful of adjustments there on that side of the ball. I mean, contention's a realistic expectation, depending on how long uh, he sticks around. All right, that's it for me. I will do basketball, uh, do a reaction podcast for hoops uh, tomorrow morning, so you'll get back-to-back podcasts. So be looking out for that old Miss in Alabama. 
get their season underway tonight, get a real look at what this Ole Miss team looks like. They have a chance to be really good. Um, I really like Romello White. We'll see how he uh, how he looks in SEC play. Got to get some scoring from the outside. Got to make outside shots. Uh, we'll see how they look against kind of a struggling Alabama team tonight. And I will react to that with you tomorrow morning. So again, that's it for me. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. And I will talk to you guys again tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.